I am Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the VCM Quick Strike for Monday, October 17th, 2022. From Krebs on Security, AMLBot, a service that helps businesses avoid transacting with cryptocurrency wallets that have been sanctioned for cybercrime activity, said an investigation published by Krebs on Security last year helped it shut down three dark web services that secretly resold its technology to help cyber crooks avoid detection by anti-money laundering systems. Now, specifically, the original report from Krebs was published in 2020, August 2021 that examined anti-analysis, a service marked on, marketed on cybercrime forums that purported to offer a glimpse of how one's payment activity might be flagged by law enforcement agencies. So here's a quote from the from that actual site. This service is dedicated to individuals that have the need to process complete privacy on the blockchain, offering a perspective from the opponent's point of view in order for the user to comprehend the possibility of his or her funds getting flagged down under autocratic illegal charges. Now, AML bot shut down anti-analysis access just hours after the first story, but a spokesperson from AML Bot said that afterwards they undertook a thorough review and in the process they found two other services similar to the first one that were reselling their application programming interface across the access to cyber crooks. So at that point in time, then AML Bot audited its entire client base and implemented the ability to provide APIs only after a contract is signed and the client has been fully audited. And they also instituted some additional monitoring. So hopefully that might be able to close a little bit of a gap there. From InfoSecurity Magazine, Magnabar ransomware adopts JavaScript to attack individual users. It's been apparently they've been targeting home users by masquerading as software updates. Started in September 22, 2022, that this is a malware is known as a single client ransomware family that demands $2,500 from its victims. Now, usually it was spread through MSI and EXE files, but again, starting in September, the campaigns began distribution in JavaScript files. Now, apparently also they use clever techniques to evade detection, such as running the ransomware in memory and bypassing the user account controller UAC in Windows. With the UAC bypass, the malware deletes the infected system shadow, shadow copy and disables backup and recovery features, preventing the victim from recovering their data using Windows tools. Their advice in the article? First of all, adopt least privilege, only logging on with the admin account when needed and using another account for day-to-day -day activities. And then, of course, making sure that updates are only installed from trusted so sources. Check the URLs, that they are the actual ones for the vendor site. And backup data regularly off the machine so that if you do need to recover, you can recover one that hasn't been affected, one set that hasn't been affected. Here's kind of a fun one that those of you that have been in cybersecurity for a while are probably wondering, why is Greg including this on the podcast? Well, you have to remember that some who listen to this are both new in cybersecurity, wanting to get into cybersecurity, or they don't do cybersecurity as, as their primary business, but their business relies on cybersecurity, so small and mid-sized businesses. And sometimes the terms that we throw around can lead to confusion. And here's one. When we talk about white hat and black hat hackers, now you can probably infer the difference, particularly uh, if you're used to some of the older movies and usually the villains were dressed in black and the 
good folks were dressed in white. And you can infer then that the it's the motivation that is really the difference between the two. Black hat, they're, they're looking for something illegal or financial gain or some sort of revenge. And white hackers, hat hackers, they want to fix problems. So more specifically, what a white hat would do is they would, from the article here, research network vulnerabilities, test computer system security, identify and record system security flaws, and present findings and suggest fixes to clients, the folks they're working with, and so forth. Now, one thing that they do say here, which I'm not sure if this is actually correct, they say it's from Payscale that the average white hack hacker salary is just south of 80000 US dollars. Sounds a little low to me, but then again, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Um, and of course, that could be just base before bonuses and other benefits. Now, Black Hat, of course, they want to basically exploit for their own gain vulnerabilities they find. And, and you in the small and mid-sized business world, I'm sure, are very aware of this. Here are some of the examples that the article gives. So phishing scams, key logging, ransomware, viruses, malware, social engineering, and brute force attacks. So again, a rather interesting, if not simple article on terminology that we use every day in the cybersecurity industry that you may or may not have totally understood yourself. From Hackademicus, experts disclose technical details on NowPatch CVE 2022-37969. That's a Windows Zero Day. Again, they do say that it is patched. This is a Windows Common Log File System Driver Elevation of Privilege Vulnerability. The Common Log File System is a general purpose logging system that can be used by applications running in both kernel mode and user mode for building high-performance transaction logs. From the Microsoft advisory, an attacker who successfully exploited this vulnerability could gain system privileges. An attacker must already have access and the ability to run code on the target system. This technique does not allow for remote code execution in cases where the attacker does not already have that ability on the target system. So there's some interesting IOCs in here. And if you haven't patched or scanned for this vulnerability, obviously you would want to. And then finally, county vendors are feeling the pinch of Suffolk computer systems hack. This comes to us from News 12, the Bronx, New York. Some Suffolk businesses are starting to struggle economically in the wake of September's hacking of the county's computer system. Apparently, the hack happened back on September 8th, and this apparently was a classic ransomware attack, and so shut down and then bring systems up on a case-by-case and slow basis to make sure you don't reinfect. That's the standard way to do this. According to one of the spokespeople there, they say that they conservatively estimate that $140 million has not been paid to local companies that do business with the county since the hack started. Now, of that, probably about $40 million has been paid out manually so far, and they emphasize that all vendors will be paid out, but businesses with critical issues now need to reach out to the county. And part of the reason why I included this because of that last part about small businesses and the delay and being a small business owner, I've got a few more thoughts on that in 30 seconds.
One of the things that I've learned being a small business owner in the last five and a half years is the criticality of receiving payments for services rendered on a timely basis. Because we have downstream folks as well that we need to pay our vendors, our staff. And when there's a disruption in that, it can get to be very difficult. Now, one of the things that I've learned over the years is to kind of build that into the chain, if you will. Things do happen sometimes for whatever reason, whether it be in the case of uh, the last article, the, the ransomware attack and things have been delayed, um, invoices get lost, personnel turnover, things happen. But you need to build that in just in case. And that's the lesson that I would like for small and mid-sized businesses to take away as far as one of the threats of ransomware. It's not just the threat of ransomware to your business directly. It's the threat of ransomware to your clients that then may disrupt the ability to pay and perhaps even further down the road, the ability to continue to contract with you if it really is such a financial hit on their side. So is this something that you've considered in your business plan? Have you baked in some flexibility in case that you're not able to receive all your receivables in a, in a given month or a given pay period? That's the advice here, because a lot of times we don't really think about a cyber threat beyond what it directly could, how it could impact our business. Sometimes we understand, okay, third party cyber threat, if they have our information, yes, that could be a threat. But in this case, this is third party that the threat is to getting paid because they were hit with a ransomware attack. So I encourage that you look at that and bake it into your strategic plans. And that's it for today. Tomorrow, we have with us Keith Mowney. He is the co-founder and COO of Acumen Technology. Great conversation with Keith. And then on Wednesday, we have our third installment of the retreat sessions, the, those recorded at the retreat conference at Montreat College in September. And this is with John Sternstein. Very interesting conversation from him as well. I hope that you can listen in. And until then, stay secure.